Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost, or Reformation Sunday, for the week of October 29th, 2023, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited and terrified in the aspect that we have a crap ton of text this week because we have also the Reformation Day Sunday text, so there is a lot to go through, a lot of summary that does need to happen, but before we jump into that, we need to look back at last week's question. And the question is, where do we need to be critical? We were talking last week a little bit more on how sometimes we need to be critical and think about what different scientists were bringing up and pushing out. And a loyal listener this last week brought up a great example of thylamide, which was a drug to kind of help with nausea during pregnancy for women, but then they found that there were a lot of birth defects from that, and it's probably because we got super excited about initial results, and we didn't really do all the processes that we should be doing on what were the long-term ramifications in this, and he brought up in this response some great ones to be thinking about how compact fluorescence and now we're looked at as not as good and it was only a couple years away from LED bulbs, which were far better. And then talking even a little bit about the electrification of our transportation systems and this movement toward it and making sure that our generation of this electric energy is also clean if we're going to be moving that way. And I think these are some great ways to be looking at it. It's looking at the full infrastructure. It's looking at the full picture and realizing sometimes we can get really fixated on a couple good results or a couple things that are looking good, but if we don't ever take that step back and look at the broad picture, it becomes very difficult for us to actually be able to make steps forward that benefit everybody. And that is going to be a big subject that we have this week based off the text that we have, but let's just jump into it. One of the Old Testament texts that we have this week is out of Deuteronomy chapter 34 verses 1 to 12. This is the end of Moses' life, and this is where, again, we have to remember that God has taken the people out in the desert. They've been wandering around for 40 years, but the promise is is that none of them are going to get to the promised land. Moses, even though he has been leading these people for so long, God leads him up a mountain so that he is able to cast sight on where he is going to lead the people eventually but he's not going to be the one to get into it. And it's in verse 4 that he is showing that this is the one that I promised to Abraham and Isaac and the Jacob, but you aren't going to cross there. Then we get the end of Moses that he died at 120 years old. And then we have that as they are mourning and where they buried him, this is where Joshua gets raised up and he is going to lead the people into this promised land. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 90, verses 1 to 6 and 13 through 17. This then is a text of remembering some of that, remembering that God has been with them for so long and has been this sight of helping us see beyond where we're at and remembering our past in the beautiful way. 
and remembering that it's God's steadfast love, even as we fall down, that has been able to see us through all these difficult situations. And so especially as this text that it's referencing here in the Old Testament, the people have been good and bad and good and bad during the 40 years of Moses, but yet God has continued to be with them and guide them through this. The other Old Testament text is very much when Moses is alive. It's Leviticus chapter 19 verses 1 and 2 and 15 through 18. This is a text that, as you'll see, ties in with the gospel text for the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost, but it's this recognition of as a body, how we need to be treating each other. We need to be making sure that we're not casting judgment on specific classes or different people, that we are working together, that the Lord who has embedded the Spirit of God within us has not given us a spirit of hate or slander. It's this one that you work together and you don't necessarily bring out vengeance, but we love our neighbors. We take care of each other. We work together in order for us to do that. The psalm that goes with that text is Psalm 1, all six verses of it. And this is recognizing that and meditating on that, that we aren't this revengeful people. Their insight and the law of what God has instructed us is something that we should be meditating on, something that brings life. It doesn't necessarily destroy. It's something that if the chaff, like we've talked about chaff, the protection around the sea gets blown away, the wickedness, the ideas of hatred, all judgment, all these different things get blown away. It's the will of God, the love that we should be having that holds steady in the hand as the chaff blows away. The second reading or the epistle text this week is out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, the first eight verses of it. This is a text of reminding us of the times that we do fail. And especially here in Thessalonica, as Paul is writing the first time, to remind the people that in this process, in the beginning of becoming apostles of Christ, we are going to fail. We are going to fall down. We are going to have times where we miss the mark. And this is not a time for us to beat each other up over that. This is a time and an opportunity for us to be able to share the love of Christ with each other. And Paul recognizing and reminding people of even when he was with them, this was not a time that he just beat them over the head with the gospel. It was more, no, he came alongside, worked with them, and helped them through even when they fell down or made a mistake. It happens to the best of us within our faith. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 46. So the Pharisees have silenced the Sadducees, but they are gathered together and they ask Jesus a question. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus responds with, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That's going through 37 to 40. The Pharisees then are still gathered and Jesus asks them a question of asking what do they think of the Messiah, who he is. They say the son of David. Jesus responds, 
with. How is it then that David by the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit on my right hand until I put my enemies under my feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? So it's this moment of Jesus trying to get these people to understand it's not just the bloodline. This is something bigger than this. And the Pharisees are unable to answer. And so they didn't dare ask him any more questions. This deep theological question that Jesus gives. And again, being on this side of the cross and knowing a little bit more of where the New Testament goes makes it a little easier for us to answer that. The Reformation Day text, the same text we have every year for the Reformation. We're going to quickly go through these, but I do feel all these texts actually tie together really well this week. So let's do a speed run through these. The Old Testament text for that is Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 31 through 34. And this is the recognition and the prophecy that the days are surely coming that there will be a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And it will be a covenant that cannot be broken. It's a covenant that the Lord will put within them and write it on their hearts. No longer will they teach one another or say to one another, Know the Lord, for they shall know, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Again, being on this side of the cross appears very much like a foretelling of the crucifixion and what Jesus' ministry was all about. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 46, all 11 verses of it. This is a recognition of God being a strength and a refuge and that we should not fear. Even as the world is crazy in tumult around us, we have to remember that we have this God who is so strong. And look at the creation. Look at what God has done, that he has been able to navigate all of this stuff and in fact still continue to be there, that God is control of all of it, that God is able to say something and the world does it, the creation does it. This should, yes, have fear on what God can do, but also give comfort in that we have a God who is able to do that and is willing to do that and that this is the God in which we worship. The New Testament text that goes with that is Romans chapter 3, verses 19 to 28. And that this is the text that we are recognizing that even as we are chasing after God and running after this, recognizing that we are justified by what Christ has done. And recognizing that even as we fall short of the glory of God, the gift of grace is what is the redemption that Christ was able to do for us. And that it's what Christ did, not anything that we did. It's by the blood of what Christ did for us that allowed us to be able to get through this. And so then it's recognizing that it's not in anything that necessarily we do in particular. It's the Spirit of God who is within us, who is working within everyone, working together to be able to boast on what Christ is doing, not us as individuals. It's the faith that has been given to us that is the beauty of what is happening. And the gospel text for the Reformation, as always, is John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. 
And this is Jesus talking with his disciples. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And it's this recognition that the people then questioning, we haven't been slaves to anyone. As we've talked about in the past, this is a ton of baloney, especially that they're saying they're descendants of Abraham. And very truly, I tell you, coming Jesus from verse 34, anyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And the slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And so it's this recognition, and again, especially within the Gospel of John, foretelling of what Jesus is going to do and what that actually does for us. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't mentioned a Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help bring you this podcast. It is extremely helpful to be able to have different biblical scholars talking about it, having commentaries, having a great resource like Working Preacher is to be able to look at. So if you enjoy listening to this podcast, preparing for this text, I'd highly recommend at least checking a look at and listening to what other preachers are using to be able to prepare for their text. So I'd highly recommend checking out workingpreacher.org. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really enjoy how they lay out the text week to week. Outside of this week, I had to go into Work and Preacher to get their Reformation Day text. But I also really enjoy how they have art, prayers, hymns, liturgical colors. Even if you're wanting to do a daily devotion, there's a lot of great resources and how they lay out the text week to week. I'd highly recommend it if you haven't checked that out. Finally, I'd also highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising Publication. These weekly and monthly newsletter reflections help give some different ecological echoes, implications, and urgencies to think about with these texts on a week-to-week basis. If you are sitting down and taking about a half an hour of your week listening to this text, I'd highly recommend joining these newsletters and Just follow the link down in my show notes. Subscribe to this newsletter. As I've talked about, I will be writing for one of these later on this year. And it should be a really exciting time. It's a great resource. It's an interesting way of thinking about it. If you're listening to this, I'd highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising Publications in general. The greatest commandment being that we love one another. Also, the recognition that we have to recognize that it's nothing of our doing that sets us free. It's what Christ did, and in doing that, that that allows us to be able to move forward. Honor God, recognize that God did all this stuff, And because of that, then go and share with each other, work together as a community and recognize that we are an important body of Christ here on earth. I think it's going to be kind of interesting this week. As I've talked about in the introduction from last week, we were talking about being critical of science. But I think this week, the cool thing in science when it is working well is the aspect that it doesn't see borders the way it could in its purest sense. Let's be honest, it doesn't always happen that way, but in its purest sense, 
We work together as a global community. We've talked about this before, especially like during the COVID-19 pandemic and how we were sharing information and making sure we were trying to work together as fluidly as possible, seeing beyond borders to be able to work together to do these amazing things. And this week, what I've found is a couple different short ideas to kind of get you in this mindset on how in science, it is a body working together. It's this recognition that it's not any single one of us who really makes it. Even though we like giving out Nobel Peace Prizes or giving out Nobels just in science in general, or having these different recognitions, how many times you've been published, making sure I'm public to get my name out there, but that's not the purest sense of what we're going for. What we're going for is deeper understanding. What we're going for is learning upon what others have done to be able to help all of us. Recognizing how the Spirit has been poured into individuals to help at different times and places and being able to build upon that. So let's take a couple examples. In the last couple weeks, we have finally cracked the code on what made Roman concrete so amazing. And you might be saying to me, Tyler, why does it matter what happened with Roman concrete? Well, the typical problem with our modern day concrete is that modern day concrete constantly needs to be repaired. If you live anywhere in the modern world, especially in the United States, how often do we complain about road construction no matter where you are in the United States? Part of that is due to the fact that concrete breaks down, but we don't necessarily always process when we look at like the ancient Roman Empire and how a lot of the Roman buildings are still standing and some of them are using concrete. Now, we have been studying this for a decent period of time and this last couple weeks we finally published and figured out what they did. First, we figured out that salt water had something to do with it. It was a contributing factor, but it wasn't the whole thing. What they figured out within the recipe is that they used quicklime. When mixed with the seawater, it makes a hot chemical reaction, endothermic, which then means that it quickly forms. But there's still chunks of the quicklime within the concrete. So what that does is if there is a crack forming and water creeps in, the quicklime then can react again, causing it to re-solidify, thus meaning that you don't have a crack anymore. It refills itself because it still has this quicklime because of how it was a quick chemical reaction initially which this rediscovery of what has happened allows us to have the possibility of being able to reduce our carbon footprint now because 8% of our carbon footprint globally is through construction. And if we're able to have where construction costs of redoing things because of stuff breaking down is reduced, it helps us. And it also makes things last longer, which everybody enjoys. Another one that is really cool that we've been looking into is how we are starting to really try to discover the ocean floor. Now, why is that so significant? And you're going to say, Tyler, haven't we already done this? Yes and no. 
We've never really fully mapped it, especially to the levels of what we think. And I'll attach a great piece by Chloe Abram down below. The ocean is deeper than Mount Everest at points. And there's so much of it that we really don't have a great mapping of. We understand, and especially as we are looking into utilizing it more for conservation and understanding what's in there, understanding fish routes, understanding migration routes, understanding if we are going to be tunneling and putting internet cables to help connect us around the world, we need to understand where the mountain ranges, where are the plains, where are the different regions, and how does that affect even our predictions of hurricanes and weather and how oceans rise. In fact, we've been able to do some of this, which is fascinating to me, based off the topography on underneath on the seafloor has enough pull that we are able to shoot radar from satellites down and we can have where the ocean slightly goes up and down, thus giving us a clue on potentially what the topography is underground. And right now there is a massive project where they're using shipping routes and all these different things to have a much better topography map of the ocean floor by 2030. Currently, we are about 25% mapped of the ocean floor where they're trying to get it within 800 meters all the way around, which currently we are having the ocean mapped at a 1.5 kilometer blocks compared to 800 meter blocks. So this would be a huge step forward and being able to allow us to come together to be able to understand things much, much deeper. Finally, I got to give a shout out to my dad. He sent me this amazing article that just kind of came through one of the different news sites, but that there is a group of Harvard University pathologists who are looking back at some different antibiotics that we were experimenting with in the early 1940s, known as gram-negative bacteria. And what happened is in the 1940s, there was a strand that was called steptothiolin, and it was deemed that it was too toxic, and it was causing a lot of problems with kidney cells. Well, what has been determined is in steptothiolin, there's type F and type D, and what they have determined is that type D and neurocyathin are the toxic ones for the kidney cells, while type F is not. And being able to potentially have a gram-negative bacteria could really be helpful with some of these super bacteria that we've been talking about, the super bugs that have gotten so used to all our different antibiotics to suddenly be able to throw something totally different at this. And it's amazing to have here is a scientist looking back on data that is getting to the point of 80 years old that has been forgotten, hasn't been looked at in a long time, coming with fresh eyes, looking to build upon it, and suddenly now we might be able to have a major breakthrough being able to help with some of these superbugs. What does this all mean? Well, we have to have kind of two different summary points here at the end because we have two different texts. But I think it's pretty simple overall. When we think about loving God and recognizing that we're loving God, 
I would argue that part of understanding and loving God is trying to understand as much as we possibly can about this God, which means getting beyond the scriptures, I would say at times, and getting out into the world and recognizing that the creation that God built around us is part of us understanding God, spending time out there. And in doing that and showing care because we care for God and we care for this thing that God created, then we also recognize that everyone that is outside of me is also part of that. And so loving my neighbor, and especially as human beings, we recognize, and the current climate that we're in, it's very easy for us to get irritated. It's very easy for us to argue. It's very easy for us to decide to be hot-headed and pull triggers and to make statements that hurt others to do that. And the beauty with, again, like we stated with science, is that here we are taking pathogens that we haven't looked at this strand of gram zero bacteria in 80 years, but we're going to give it another whirl. And look, we're finding things out. We're building upon that. We are growing in that love and care that someone spent time on this. And it's worth at least taking a look at and seeing if there's something there. It's us understanding as a globe that we're to be connected. It would be really valuable if we understood the place that we lived in and that we were able to then map the bottom of the ocean and being able to understand what does that look like and maybe gives us ideas on new places to research for new things because of that. Thinking about how we notice in our creation that people at one point were able to make super amazing concrete. And our concrete of the modern age is not nearly as durable. What were they doing? That the insights that God was able to help them discover, maybe we can learn something and rediscover something about it itself. And is there a way that we can recreate that now so that we are able to build things that are more durable, that benefits all of us? And how does this work within the idea of the Reformation? The idea of the Reformation is recognizing that we need to be okay in expanding our view of who God is. Being all right with recognizing that God isn't necessarily always the exact way that we expect God to be. That we need to keep being open and available for criticism. Being open to the idea of reimagining things. Recognizing that there are going to be times that maybe we make an assumption and we build upon it and we recognize it was wrong. And being okay with tearing that down to redirect. Being like the people in the desert after being escaping Egypt, wandering around for 40 years. There's going to be times where we go somewhere and it doesn't lead anywhere. And that's okay. We're still learning. We're still growing. And that's important. It's important for us to be able to continue to grow and to continue to build upon things. And continue to try to learn and understand And as we've talked about the last few weeks, a negative result is still a good thing. We are still learning something. We are still building upon something. This idea of us recognizing that this is where science in its purest sense is amazing. Because we build upon the ideas. We work together. We work as a team. We share this data with everyone so that we all can benefit. And that is how you care for your neighbor. So the question I have for you this week is, how do you care for your neighbor? How do you love your neighbor? I think within the world that we are today, we hope that's an easy question, but it's a lot harder sometimes than we'd like to admit. And I think as we are reimagining this world, as one of our loyal listeners brought up at the beginning, 
Yes, if we're looking to electrify the world, it also means that we need to evaluate and think about things to make sure that this is a good process all the way through, not just that the parts we want to focus on. It means that we need to continue to build upon the research that has been done. It means that we need to be able to put aside our own ego to work together for the betterment of all of us and recognize in that that God's creation and what God does is above whatever we are creating. It's recognizing that the God within us, the spirit of God within us, is what is allowing us to get the insights to understand. And I think that's where these texts come beautifully together, talking all of this, this Reformation Sunday, this 22nd Sunday after Pentecost, and blending it all together. Because in that growth, in that movement, we are really able to see and know God in a much different way. Now, I will say I don't have an All Saints text this year because of how Sundays fell, but I would also recognize, spend some time thinking about the saints who have gone on before you, the people who have gone on before you, who have laid these foundations for us to be able to build upon, whether in faith, whether in science, or whether in life. Because they are the people who help motivate us. And think about the people who have come into the faith over the last period of time and remembering them and how can you be an example to come alongside and encourage and help in that process. This is an exciting part of the church year as we are getting to the final month or so of it. That we are able to bring all these amazing things together. And it's recognizing, realizing that just like faith, just like science, it's a process of building upon, which then allows us also to recognize that the relationship that we have with God is something to continue to be built upon. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.